This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Dementia 13. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. So, you know Francis Ford Coppola, famous, renowned film director Francis Ford Coppola, director of The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two and Apocalypse Now? You know him, Francis Ford Coppola? Well, once, he made a really bad movie. The Cotton Club? No. Captain EO? No. Uh, Gardens of Stone? No. New York Story? No. A Godfather 3? No. Bram Stoker's Dracula? No. Jack? No. Twixt? No. Dementia 13 is the one movie he made that was really bad. For some reason, this movie has a cult following, I think just because he made it. We'll go into all the minutia of this movie, uh, but it's famous, and we watched it, and... We're Clickbait, and you're listening, and let's go! Hey, welcome to the show. This is the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Well, where everything there. happens all at once and never happens again, ever, or something. I lost it. Sorry. <laughs> We're new to this. <laughs> it's, no, kind it's, of like, it's, it's kind of like we don't have a takeoff anymore. We're just yeah. in the air. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm on my 13th round of dementia, and so it's just sort of taking hold. You know, I can't. Uh, uh, how do anyway, you know? I don't, I, wait, who, who is this? Let's introduce yourself so I know who I'm talking to. Ah, uh, I, I am Brian. Hello, Brian. Hi, Brian. I'm Eric. And uh, hi. yeah. Hi, Eric. Uh, this is I, Chris. This is Chris. I, I'm the reason... I'm the reason this week we watched Dementia 13 because I said, what the fuck? Why not? I mean, we, we always uh, seem to watch awful movies. Let's watch another one. Well, you we'll know, get into it. Well, we'll do it, but I do want to just thank you off the top because this is one that uh, has been on sort of the the list since my video store days. And I just never, ever, 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 ever pulled the trigger. And so yeah. this sort of made me watch it. So thank you. Wow. Before we item. get to any in-depth discussion of the film, I just want to give my two word review fucking really that's it <laughs> like, we'll get into it we'll get into it i yeah. i had that review before we watched the movie but okay yeah. uh, exactly so yeah well, magnificent huge podcast we watched dementia 13 fucking really you bet but you don't get to hear us talk about that until we're done talking about the fresh shit this shit is fresh Okay, I want to start. I I saw another live show uh, Good this Lord. week. Good Lord. I saw okay. I saw saw Duran Duran. Ooh, uh, yay! Uh, name of like, which you may remember from 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 uh, uh, Barbarella. Duran Duran. Duran Duran. Duran Duran. Duran Duran. Duran Duran. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, that's how we all remember Duran Duran first and remember foremost. When, remember when we were kids and like Rio was a big hit, and then you found out that they were named after the the villain from that barbarella movie and then you were like what's barbarella because we were like 12 yeah so I, yeah yeah but the thing is once i heard 
uh, uh, Jane Fonda say Duran Duran in that weird way she does. <laughs> That's the way I refer to the band now. I have to. Yeah. It's Duran, du- not Duran Duran. Not all fun. Yeah. Uh, well, how I, was it? Was it a good show? It was good. Uh, it was good. Um, let me see. L- let me explain. The opening opening band was Chic. So mm-hmm. the Nile Rogers, not just Chic, but Nile Rogers Chic. So. It was basically if he oh, produced wow. it, he performed it. Yeah, nice. he does Serial Girl. Yeah, mm-hmm. nice. <laughs> it was fun. It was like three or four medallies, but I didn't care because they were all, you know, they're all Nile Rogers. God damn it! I mean, you know, he's the man. I mean, say what you will, but I I've never not enjoyed like the the peak of Nile Rogersdom. He just knows yeah. how to write a, a toe tapping fun type song. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you you go wait a minute how come serious moonlight is bowie's you know monster you know towering achievement well now rogers yes I mean, come but on. i mean didn't he produce let's dance for bowie right yes like bowie's like yeah. biggest monster hit he, because he it's like just wrote these songs he wrote yeah. material girl i believe yeah. yeah so we're just gonna yeah. give you all the crowd pleasers that you remember from your, your childhood he, in the 80s and they did material girl and they did uh uh, uh let's dance mm-hmm. uh yeah they it was, it was just a, and it was a lot of fun uh nice. backup singers you know like horns just 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 you know it was tight the next backup band was bastille now uh, uh, uh tanya wow. explained it to me duran duran was doing a sort of you know this is what we came from and this is what we're going to kind of like duran duran is in the middle like past present future right right Bastille being the future, mm-hmm. and Bastille is the next Coldplay. That's it. They're just the next Coldplay, and I mean, they have that one song that everybody I, likes. I mean, yeah, I know like Coldplay. Them, yeah, yeah, but I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I could ever uh, pick Bastille out of a lineup if I heard their music. I mean, that's just where I'm at. I mean, we're both like, we're not. We, you know, Tanya and I were like, we're like in the, you know the 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 concession area during their show just eating popcorn waiting for it to be over because it was like god this is so yawnful yeah. uh yeah i don't get it at all and they're big they're a big deal and i'm like i don't know why i do not know why i didn't didn't know why coldplay was either except oh god girls were into it that's all i did yeah <laughs> anytime a, a coldplay song comes on when we're out like at a restaurant or wherever I mean, it's just, we always sort of collectively just sigh. Yeah. My wife and I were like, oh, God. They are kind of like, they are kind of like, they've taken over for you too as the most hated, most popular band. (laughs) I mean, they're, they're they're in the running with Maroon 5 as far as I'm concerned, but that's just me. So take that as you will. They, they have the added advantage of having, you know, a member of their band who can't be in a good movie. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway duran duran yeah but duran duran up. yeah then duran duran shows up and... what they lead with what they lead with uh god i don't remember wild exactly. Boys was like the first or second song when i saw i'm pretty sure it's pretty much the same show i saw i think that was i think it was wild so, boys because you know we were both like that's so funny how these old guys are talking about being wild boys yeah did you do like the the arm salute thing from the video you like cross the arm wild boys Oh, no. okay. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, you know, I'm too busy being Evo. confused by the freakish-looking like <laughs> torso backdrop of the Wild Boys. There you go. 
performance. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it was just, I mean, I, this is like the sixth time Tanya seen them. So she's like Uber Duran Duran fan. And I was just going so I could say I saw Duran Duran. Uh, and this is the first time she saw them in an arena setting. So, you know, she was a bit, I think, put off because she's used to seeing them in a more intimate setting. I I thought, okay, hmm. it's just another big famous band I've seen before, you know? Interesting. Uh, I, uh, fun fact, uh, fans of Duran Duran are sometimes called Duranies. Just want to throw that out there. This okay, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was Duranies or Duranians, so I wasn't going to like I prefer that. I prefer Duranian because that smells, that seems like it's a, a weird it Asian like, fruit. Well, that, it sounds uh, like geranium. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> her name is uh, rio and she dances deranged. on the sand yeah uh sorry yeah oh and i did the ultimate old guy thing uh we didn't stick around for the the full encore because right. we both heard rio enough times and and it was just it was nothing but a race to the train in downtown <laughs> portland to get to a train before all of these you know assholes you know crowded it right uh I did. I mean, that's, I, did a, I did a version of that for the Cure concert that I talked about last week because we were being told by the locals that getting out of there was a friggin' nightmare. So I skipped like the last song. But if you look up the set lists from like the night before or whatever, you have a pretty good idea what the last song and the last encore is. With Duran Duran, we kind of did that, but what we did was we kind of walked all the way up the bleachers to just where the exit is during the last bit of the la- what we knew to be the last song and as soon as the applause started boom we're out of there you still beat the crowd right yeah i mean yeah. it's i mean it goes back to that mark Marin bit yeah <laughs> when he goes to see the rolling stones and it's sort of like you know you're halfway into the garage by the time they're they're coming back for their second exactly. encore yeah yeah and you, you have don't to. regret it yeah you have to. <laughs> but it's even worse with a train because you know you're like packed in with these assholes and mm. There's nothing worse than like waiting and waiting and waiting for a train and then not being able to get on it because there's too many people. So, yeah, I mean, it's not the same thing, but uh, Taylor Swift played is playing this full weekend here in Chicago, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So Friday Uh was the first night we we were out and about yesterday just doing our stuff and we're coming back on the bus and a girl gets on and she's wearing the shirt from the show the previous night. Like, oh, sweetie, that you was paid too much th- for those tickets. Yeah. That was another thing at the Duran Duran show. Bunch of people wearing uh, Cure t-shirts. Nice. Because they had just played. Because apparently they can pay like $4,000 for a bunch of show tickets, right? I guess. Okay. I don't know Yeah, how it worked out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was a good show. It was, it, once again, we sat at the very back of the Moda Center because mm. there's nobody to fuck with you. But you can see perfectly fine from up there. But uh, yeah, I, I have I have no no complaints. But I also have no. I was not like going out of my mind, going, "Oh yay, I get to see Duran Duran." Well, well, so let me let me try and 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 bring it up a notch there because Duran Duran is first of all mostly intact, which a lot of these you know '80s acts are not. Um, still selling out real stadiums, but also still good like john yeah. taylor as a bass player is really damn good and simon lebon can still hit the notes right which are were hard to hit back in the day so like duran duran is you know they they're survivors they've been doing this hardcore for a long time and and respect you know i mean yeah 
compared like to some the of fact, the other acts we've seen. Well, I like the fact that they're in rarefied company as well, because they're one of the few acts that still tours that can do a bond theme in their set. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? And that's just, you're not going to see that. Day. Like you're not going to, you're not going to see like, uh, Nancy Sinatra do, uh, you know, you only live twice or something. Walking. Yeah. So, oh, that's right. The bond <laughs> theme. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. Uh, but any, any toe tappers like, yeah. like did they, did they do, uh, the, the reflex? That's always the one well, that like, you know, yeah, that's me. Th- th- that's kind of what I mean. It's like they did all their hits. You know, there's no complaints. They did one or two off of the quote unquote new album that I will never hear. Uh, you know, but it's, it's, it's kind of tough for me to maybe, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just going to admit defeat and say I'm old. Uh, <laughs> I don't care about live shows. I think it's yeah, like, I'm with you, brother. I've I'm heard with you. the music. I know what they sound like, you know? So uh, Eric, you're going with me in July to see the sparks and they might be giants show and you don't get to ruin it. <laughs> wah, yeah. wah. I, I don't care how out. unimpressed you are. <laughs> I need to figure out some form of drugs to be on for a show that, yeah. that make me go, Oh, I'm so happy to not be at home in my comfortable, yeah. enjoyable <laughs> home. And, yeah. and like amongst a bunch of sweaty strangers listening to, uh, uh, less than perfect versions of songs i can hear on albums yeah yeah i got what you. drug that is i know not yeah it's called the uh, heroin get on it i guess yeah <laughs> i'm looking up the set list now and uh i see that they did do their white lines cover from oh yeah, yes, Flash, they that. yeah. Which they is just, that. that is honestly one of the weirdest covers i think no. i can think oh of. they've got a weirder one they do uh 911 is a joke by public enemy on that same album yeah no way. if you go yeah. on youtube you can see them perform it like on trl i think oh my god yeah <laughs> good on you duran 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 yeah that was not a good idea i think that's okay. the drug whatever they were on i need to be on in order to <laughs> yeah. enjoy live music okay okay probably cocaine i mean yeah anyway. yeah <laughs> well yeah but i i like the fact that eric is shitting on duran duran less than he shit on love and rockets last week yeah when he was talking about it. so that shows me where his allegiance lie well so, duran yeah. duran i i know what i'm getting right it's like I knew what I was in for and I got it and I'm okay with it. You yeah. know, Love and Rockets, I was like, I know Bauhaus, they're fucking gods. Uh, this must just be them without Peter Murphy. Well, <laughs> well, in the case, way. Peter Murphy fun. brings a lot to the table. Or just, you know, Peter Murphy on his own is just, you know, Bauhaus without Love and Rockets. Right? Yeah, haven't seen that. Uh, P- okay. Peter Murphy on his own is a canceled ticket because the dude is in rehab again. But anyway, <laughs> um, I mean, whatever. It cuts you up. I can tell, Brian. It cuts you up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's the insurmountable pressure of being the great Peter Murphy. I think that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing about Duran Duran. I mean, did Simon LeBon ever do a solo thing? He. I mean, they ended up splitting into like. Like, it was, was Arcadia, it? Uh, Arcadia, and like but the like, power station. Or at something. this point, wasn't that basically Duran Duran? <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was like Duran Duran minus two or some shit. You know, yeah. Well, so. that was a weird split too, because I think one of the guys that's actually part of the remaining, uh, you know, what is now Duran Duran, what went to Power Station, but he 
you know, I don't know what, who cares? It's yeah. all Duran Duran. Yeah. <laughs> it pretty much, it pretty much is. Yeah. I'm with you. Even my wife, who is a professed Durani, like couldn't explain that and doesn't care. It's all Duran Duran. Yeah. 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 It's all Duran Duran to me, man. I'm trying to think of like a concert experience I could have where I would go, oh, dude, wait, wait, no, that was, that was Bauhaus. It was Devo like not too long ago. (laughs) Right. But like at last year's Cruel World, the fact that I got to see Bauhaus, I was like, I seriously did not think I would live to see that. I thought that that had passed me by. So interesting. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So that was that. Uh, And let me say also uh, as another uh, fresh poo poo that against better, my own better judgment, I've watched now uh, all four of the four and a half seasons available of uh, Yellowstone. And it is exactly what I thought it was. Oh, boy. You've been been watching this a while, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. No, well, I've been watching like the, 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 the spinoffs, right? 1923 and 1883. This is the actual show. Uh, it's it's halfway through their fifth and final season now. And all I can tell is, you know, like I was afraid it was Dallas. And yes, it is the TV show <laughs> Dallas. Your, it's a soap opera. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, with automatic weapons. So it's got like a lot more blood and yeah, no, it's so a, it's so it's very much a, a, a 21st century version of Dallas then. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Think of it. There actually, were no automatic weapons in the 20th century. Yeah, there were none they, on Dallas. Yeah, they, they just used like a snub nose 38 to shoot Jr. and that made yeah. Time Magazine. It's like when we were in school, they didn't have active shooter drills, is what I'm getting at, Brian. But now it's just an everyday thing. So there yeah. you go. Like it was so back I, in the 1800s when Yellowstone is. <laughs> Oh, is it is it present? No, this day? is present yeah, day. It's current. Oh, it's okay. current. Yeah, I don't. Clearly, I don't care. Okay, continue. The, the best way to think of uh, Yellowstone. Did you ever watch The Big Valley as a kid? No. The Big Valley is when? a Western TV show with Barbara Stanwyck as the mom. She has three sons. One of them is a really a half son that her husband had with another woman. Three sons and a daughter. This show is three sons and a daughter and kind of a half son. They get around to that. Which which, which is, one is a uh, that man which one is the what the bionic man wasn't lee majors on big valley lee majors was heath yeah he oh, was the okay. half brother gotcha and Christ. uh yeah and See, so he's like three i can't brothers, you guys you, three you brothers and send yourself on this one he's like i'm gonna talk three about this new thing but first let me tell you about the big valley yeah yeah no 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 i'm i'm what i'm, I'm making okay. a point Three brothers and a sister, which is the same as the actual Borgia family from the Renaissance. Oh God! Which is, this, which is what what the Godfather is based on. Three brothers and a sister. It's like it's an ongoing theme. Anytime you do like a family empire show, somehow you have to have three brothers and a sister. Oh, I don't so know that's why. Like a, that's like Peaky Blinders, man. That's three brothers and a sister. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and it's, then the end. When Surprise yeah, Succession was that too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, it is. We it could go is. on forever. It's we three brothers on. and a sister, and one of them's a half brother. Motherfuck, there <laughs> is some kind of formula at work here. Interesting, with you know family mm. empire shows. Okay, okay, and and the the woman is always like the harshest, most evil one. Like the you know, well, Big Valley flips everything because Laura is really very you know, I don't know, foo foo lacy kind of. It was the 60s, yeah. man. It was the 60s. Yeah. yeah, that was a very nice version of the Borgia Empire. I got to look into this. How many of these are based on the Borgias? <laughs> Get on it. Stat. We want notes. That's yeah. Anyway. For the next uh, next show. 
let me put it this way. If you end up with a subscription to Peacock, I I, I would give it a shot. It, it it does draw you in. I was very not you know convinced when I started this that I would give a fuck. And now I, I really do enjoy it. Okay. He's been red pilled, everybody. Yes, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah, but the stuff you watch is shit. But I love Yellowstone. That's every I time. didn't say the stuff you watch is shit. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna not say today. the stuff I watch yeah. is shit. Not today, <laughs> but you yeah, you've done it. That's like, no make no bones about that, sir. I you look, look, I okay, let me put it this way. I feel the full weight of the guilt of enjoying okay. this show. Okay? okay. Guilty pleasure, absolutely. Uh, uh there's no yeah, there's no yeah, no judgment as far as you know. But uh yeah, yeah. All I'll say is definitely, definitely. Better okay. than Love and Rockets. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh. <Damn you. laughs> Eric Hello, is still wrong, everyone. <laughs> yeah, Eric is still an idiot, and he has yep. no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> and if you're an idiot too, check out Yellowstone. There yeah. you go. There you go. Okay, that's okay. that's the that's the box quote right there. There we go. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. Can I can I go? I've got a bunch Please. of fresh shit. And All yours. Yeah, like, I can segue can I again. Can I finish? Excuse me. Champ yeah, it a bit. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No. So. I do have a subscription to Peacock. Uh, I subscribed to Peacock primarily because I wanted to see Poker Face, um, which I haven't bothered to bring to the show yet. And to be honest, it's kind of slow going. Uh, Poker Face is the um, the Tasha TV Leon. series from Ryan Johnson that came out around the same time as Glass Onion that stars Natasha Leone. Huh. And the gag is... It's an old 70s show. It's the Incredible Hulk. Okay? It it even has that aesthetic. Like every every episode starts with like it saying, you know, poker face in quotes with the, you know, the year and Roman numerals on the bottom, a yellow font. Right? Like it's 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 the opposite of the Ryan Johnson mystery movies in that those are sort of about elites and opulent people and all of that. And this is like very much not that this is like poor people in the southwest um it starts in some shitty casino in the middle of nowhere and her character has this quirk that she always knows when someone's lying to her and that's the like the one conceit you have to grant the show and this leads her to solving crimes which usually means um that's a bad thing for her, and she has to like get the hell out of Dodge. So this um, is like a, a twist on uh, not when he made the girl vomit anytime she told a lie. Yes, it was like yes, like the reverse of that, the okay. opposite of that. This is okay. This is she always knows if you're lying. Okay. Um, but it almost never is to her advantage to to have this knowledge, and whenever she's solving a crime, it's almost always in the form of there's no way any of what she's learned is going to stand up in court. (laughs) And, and so she's constantly on the run and it's all very low income and it's not all written directed by Ryan Johnson. He did the pilot and like created the show, but it's just a show and it's got people coming in and writing and directing episodes and different guest stars of the week. Every, every episode, so Ooh. it's it's really like this throwback, like late seventies, early eighties show. Huh. Okay. On Peacock, it reminds me uh, when HBO Max finally did their big shift to just Max. They dropped the HBO. Yeah. Uh, the mm-hmm. the Peacock 
network app, whatever, they trolled them hard because they basically said along the lines of, uh, we are absolutely still going to remain peacock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there you go. That's that's all I can say about that one. Peacock. So yeah. the other the other thing we've been watching on Peacock, I wasn't intending to bring this for fresh ship, but I have to talk about it because like I say, I have been, you know, we're just we're just time murderers, right? Like it's just how do we kill time? And how do we sort of soothe our brains given all of the rest of life? And I was like, I need some trash. I need just, I need just not even brain garbage. I mean, just straight up trash. And (laughs) I'm, I'm looking for like some kind of fucking, you know, one of those shows where they kick somebody off the Island and, and it's, and I found such trash on Peacock. This thing is called The Traitors. And The Traitors is this, it's a show like that. They get a bunch of people who were on other reality shows like Survivor or The Real Housewives or Who Gives a Shit. And they put them in this giant castle in Scotland and the host is Alan Cumming. And Alan Cumming is just being awesome at all times and wearing like ridiculous fashions and speaking in his accent as thick as possible uh <laughs> to just drive paranoia because three of the people in the in the castle have been dubbed traitors and their whole job is to undermine everybody else and slowly kill them off night by night so that they win all the prize money and it's it's garbage like i do not recommend it unless you just want like of the guiltiest of pleasures, but <laughs> you're really selling it, man. Oh, you're really no, selling it's it. trash. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't do quote unquote reality at all. I can't even hate watch it. So it's I am out of the loop on I'm like ninety five percent. Yeah, ninety five percent of the conversations that people have around me about current pop culture, I'm out of. Oh, can uh, I, yeah, no. I, I, I like. I I gotta say, I love uh, Great British Bake Off. But that's because it's charming and it's not, uh, I don't know, they don't fuck with each other. They actually like clap for each other when somebody does well on a challenge. But everything else about reality shows is just vituperative and mean, and I don't care yeah. for it. Yeah, I don't, Agreed. I don't, I mean, usually the only ones I watch are like Project Runway or RuPaul's Drag Race or some crap <laughs> like that, right? Like this right. is, this was me just going, all right, I want, uh, let's just wallow in the depths and oh yeah it's oh my god it's bad but (laughs) anyway um it's more fun to talk about though there was one more thing i was going to bring uh i actually saw this in the theater because we were in the dry spell before the summer movies started Mm -hmm. and it's been a few weeks since we did a recording so there's a movie out there that i think it's got like 21 percent on rotten tomatoes or something terrible like that but Charlie Day has made a movie that he wrote oh, yeah, and directed yeah. Yeah. called Fool's Paradise. And it's it's not good. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it took him. He's doing this thing like for like a couple of years, apparently. And yeah. So it's just sort of like a like, hey, I'm making a movie. Who wants to be in it? Blah, blah, blah. And so it, he's had no rush on it. It just seems like a, a way to kill time for him. So he wrote himself a character who doesn't talk. Uh, the whole conceit is that this guy is like a mental patient, but the system has, you know, no resources to take care of him. They could treat him, but they're not gonna. So they just throw him out on the sidewalk in L.A. <laughs> and 
and and so he is just this mute character who's dumb and like has no idea what's going on around him but the whole idea is what if mr magoo failed upward in hollywood right so like this guy has no idea what's going on but he keeps like succeeding because everyone around him is so full of themselves and their own agendas that they're not really paying attention to yeah. the fact that he has no idea what they're saying and isn't responding and it keeps working out for him anyway um have, have, have you ever seen uh being there with peter sellers no but that's probably it's an inspiration it's kind of the same thing it's like he's yeah. basically this like blank slate uh well for lack of a better term imbecile that yeah people sort of project their own uh things onto and he basically becomes like an advisor to the president at some point so it's yeah, like that guru. kind of like, yeah there's yeah uh, yeah yeah okay. uh, classic end scene with him walking on the water and not realizing it yeah yeah or is he jesus we don't know yeah, but, yeah. i mean it, it it takes it too far like even even if he would have had the character like just repeat what was said to him it would have been more believable that people would take him seriously but having him completely mute it like it it wounds its own conceit i don't know but yeah. this is like a five minute youtube video that gets expanded to a movie you know <laughs> <laughs> um there there is a lot of fun uh you mentioned all his friends there's a lot of fun people showing up in this movie kate beckinsale is awesome and adrian brody is awesome in it um one of the absolute best is common the rapper who i guess is in the fast and furious movies he shows John up to John Wick too. He shows up as basically homeless Wesley Snipes. Uh, <laughs> this guy who was in this set of movies called Dagger, which is obviously Blade, Blade. and he's just completely lost his mind. Um, and okay, Ken Jeong is probably our our supporting actor, and this is the only movie in which I've ever seen Ken Jeong actually act. Like his character has emotional arcs and shows range. Interesting. Um, okay. And I mean, don't get me wrong. You're rooting for this movie the whole time, but it doesn't work. It misses the mark and you're, you're going to be frustrated by it. There is a really fun scene, though, where uh, our, our hero, Charlie Day, whose character's name is Latte Pronto, because that's what some producer guy was saying. Uh, Latte has basically reached the point where he may be yeah, he has bumped up against the Illuminati and we get John Malkovich basically doing the Ned Beatty thing from network and and giving him the like the fear of God speech from from the Ill Illuminati and and Malkovich's <laughs> uh, yeah. key line so far, it all sounds like shit. I love yeah. <laughs> it. You, you're rooting for this movie, but it doesn't quite work. Um, Malkovich is lying at the end. He's like, what do we want? We want what all men want. The reason for all the money and power, the unimpeded expulsion of our jism. You know? <laughs> Oh God! That's the kind of movie this. Is. Uh, yeah, Fool's Paradise. <laughs> okay, it's a movie. Uh, um, yeah. no, it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wait for it on streaming is what oh, you're saying. Yeah, don't spend a dime to actually watch Fool's Paradise, <laughs> but sure. I mean, yeah. If you happen okay. to have the streaming service and you, you've watched everything else, yeah. be sure I to mean, watch. That makes yeah. me feel kind of bad for Charlie Day because it's like, you know, uh, Rob McElhinney's gone off and bought himself a Welsh soccer club.
well right uh glenn howerton's in the nokia movie or blackberry movie or whatever and he's getting rave reviews for that and then you get this which is just gonna fall through the cracks yeah uh, he, I mean, he, he also gets specific rim so yeah, yeah. yeah okay yeah that's true he got to direct a movie i mean he's he's doing all right for himself but i know but I yeah know. i mean okay it's a it's good natured but what yeah, you? it would have been better as a YouTube video. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll All right, you. I'm done. I'm Chris. Bring us home. Uh, I'm waiting for the Eric groan on this one because uh, I did watch the new Dungeons and Dragons movie, Honor Among Yay! Thieves. Yay! I've and, heard it was uh, good. I am gobsmacked at how goddamn adorably fun this thing was. I just, <laughs> I was, because considering the 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 previous Dungeons and Dragons movie that they made with uh, Jeremy Irons, like in the aughts. Which is just yeah. dismal. That like a movie that just was stillborn. Uh, this was like made by people that actually have obviously played D and D, and they just John said, "Work daily." Yeah, and his uh, writing, directed partner Jonathan Goldstein, who did uh, like Spider Man No Way Home and uh, some other crowd pleasers. Uh, it's it's just fun. It's funny. There are a certain amount of stakes to it. Uh, and the cast is just having a free, free, fun time uh, doing I, their thing. I watched it again this week. I, I it's, absolutely did. Yeah, it's just it's so fun. And like Chris Pine is just allowed to be, I think finally Chris Pine. You know, yeah, yeah. he gets to be like like the dice roll twenty charisma dude uh, who everybody <laughs> follows because he's just he knows how to talk a good game and he's just goddamn charming. It's on Paramount, uh, by the way, Eric. If you're interested, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I will. Yeah. Uh and then uh Michelle Rodriguez plays like a like a barbarian yeah. character named like Helga. And uh and she just kicks all kinds of ass in this thing like Michelle Rodriguez does. Uh but she gets to have fun. Uh and it's just yeah, it's just it's just a, a lot of a lot of side quest stuff that they do that is totally like playing the game. I mean, they just get it. Yeah. And it was just, it was fun. Every every and, time a character tries to talk about something that happened in the past, it's basically, all right, that character is going to dungeon master for a scene real quick here. And they're just yeah. going to kind of tell, tell you it, a story, right? And that's literally how it yeah. starts, is yeah. Chris Pine doing like, this is how we got to prison, uh, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and it's just all of the fun. Uh, and um, then I will say, Brian, that my I did, I thought I would hate it, but when they did the, the cameo from the uh, cartoon Dungeons and Dragons yeah. crew yeah. At, at, at the big finale. Uh, it was done very well because they didn't very over, subtle. It didn't overextend its welcome, but it was just enough to make you go, oh yeah, right, right. Um <laughs> and then and then Hugh Grant is the the villain of the piece doing sort of his Paddington 2 routine, more mm-hmm. or less. Uh so it was just enjoyable, damn enjoyable. Yeah, it, it also gets I was saying this about Pirates of the Caribbean, but it also gets how to like have a really good action scene when when it wants to do action the action is well staged and well exactly. shot and exactly. then when it doesn't want to do action it doesn't try to be serious and it goes and has fun instead yeah and uh, and, and, and they do i mean it's it's kind of shocking how how much of like the scope of something like the lord of the rings is just being done in this little movie nowadays yeah. well and yeah. and yeah. i i want to hit it again they put an actual honest to god lawful good character in and he doesn't yeah. suck no he's actually fun <laughs> to watch the paladin guy uh 
I mean, we're watching like my wife just says, oh, that's one of the guys that they're talking about uh, as the new James Bond. And, oh, really? He was, in, he was like in Bridgerton or some shit. Huh. Uh, I had no idea who he was, but I'm watching him in this. I'm like, yeah, I could totally see him as James Bond. I sure. would not mind that at all. To yeah. a T. Uh, so, yeah, it was good. But they had, yeah, they had the, like the, the bard, Chris Pine. They had the barbarian. They had the sorcerer. They had like the elf uh in mm-hmm. their crew and they were all thieves and the whole night it's like this is this is a dnd campaign from start to finish Hold and on. i'm fine i'm glad somebody finally did that you know so yeah cool times. so yeah eric watch it enjoy it or don't we'll do like you know <laughs> i'll but there you have though so I, I will probably be uh be, be a crowning asshole about it so well, you know i'll find just that watch it you know i will say this that when bradley cooper shows up and you know, it fucking killed me uh i'm like i had no idea that was him at first and then you have to kind of go, oh shit that's bradley cooper good <laughs> god so it's just got a bunch of goofy stuff it in, in it. the dungeons and dragons movie yes yeah because why um, not so yeah sure. uh so that that was that was my uh my big hollywood to do I'm I'm just I'm I'm sad that it didn't do better business so that we'd get more of these because this is the kind of summer fun you want. It's just not it, like didn't it? I I never heard anybody say anything negative about it. Did it? Did but it, it, it at the box office? No, I mean it. It made money across the board with like the international release, but it just didn't go blazes. And so we'll probably get a sequel based on the word of mouth, but uh, it just didn't do the kind of business I think they probably would have hoped for. So that's that's a shame because yeah, you, know, you want you want people who make good movies to to win. Continue to make good yeah. movies. So there <laughs> you have it. But uh yeah, that's that's it. That's my ten pool movie of the week. All you right. could do worse. You mm. could. Let's talk about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I mean d- <sighs> who knew that Francis Ford Coppola had this movie in him? I don't think yeah. anybody. Nobody. Dimension this has 13. got such an interesting story behind it getting made that right? is equal to the, you know, the the epic that he created. Uh so they were making a movie in Ireland. Uh Roger Corman's company was making a movie in Ireland called The Young Racers. And Francis Coppola was basically one of the sound guys on it. And there's a bit of a yeah, there's a number of stories of whose idea it was, whether Coppola went to Corman or Corman went to Coppola. But they, he said, basically, we've got some extra money left over from this movie, yeah, so let's make another movie. Yeah, yeah. Which in like 1963 and, was a lot. Let's be fair. Yeah, but still. But Corman is like, okay, yeah, make a movie, but it's got to have all these things, like, uh, you know, we, we need some titties, we need some, you know, like. Some, some 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 female bodies running around yeah, I, some gore it sort of a psycho uh scene like in mm-hmm. the shower so you know this this much gore it's like he had this checklist that coppola had to go through and go yep got that got that got that got that and so there's a lot of disjointed unnecessary horror movie things in mm-hmm. this uh knowing that to me makes it fun um and then Coppola, when he when he said, "Okay, yeah, you're you're good. Go ahead, make a movie," he went out and sought his own financing for it. And right. when he got it, he banked the twenty thousand that Corman gave him, <laughs> so that like if it ran over, he could handle it, and if yeah. it didn't run over, he could keep it, which is just so wonderful to me. 
Um, and that's that's Francis Coppola to a T as well. Yeah. If you if you see how he he worked, uh, you know, the Godfather movies or like Apocalypse, it's just like I I can cover totally your see ass. That. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so funny. Uh, but so he makes he... this movie with a number of the actors who are in this The Young Racers, a movie you've never heard of because who gives a shit? But you know this movie because, of course, Coppola goes on to be Coppola and yeah, right. you know this is gets the Academy movie, Award right? for yeah. It's uh, like, I think it's like his second movie uh, overall. I think yeah. it's, wasn't it? Okay. I think it's his first uh, director, but I, yeah. I don't know. But like he didn't really become a director until he wrote, um, what was the Darby McGill and the Little People or something? No, he did uh, Finian's Rainbow. Finian's Rainbow. Thank, yeah. thank you. And Patton. He, you know, he, he was a known quantity in screenwriting before you know they let him start making movies. Yeah. But so, yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's. It's so astonishingly weird. Like I didn't, I wasn't prepared for how just over the top. I mean, I knew it was a Corman movie and whatnot, but I'm watching it. Yeah. And I'm like, you clearly see uh, film student Coppola at work here because it's to me, it's like this is like uh-huh. if if uh, Ingmar Bergman did Psycho, that's what this would be. It's just so because he takes right. all this time to frame the shots and the lighting is perfect and it's very gothic and the whole nine yards. Yes. And it's just like total schlock going on within the scene. I'm like, oh, this is just there's a disconnect here, but it just somehow makes sense. It's just so strange to yeah. me. The first five minutes, I think, really says it all with a guy who gets on a rowboat and goes on a rowboat ride with his wife in the middle of the night with a radio playing rock music. And you're yeah. going why what, yeah, what? what, the, hell? what huh? the hell and and yeah that's that's corman saying gotta have some rock music in it yeah. you know and and he's setting up this mysterious death uh yeah. he's setting up like in a very ham-handed way his movie but he's got all these restrictions of shit he has to use but that that bit that leads into the opening credits with the radio falling down through the water is right. so just beautifully shot Everything about this is is shot better than your average Corman film. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, but it does rival actual Corman movies because everybody talks yeah. about like how how he was like the king of schlock in the '60s and low budget and this and that. But if you've actually watched the stuff he directed, like the the Edgar Allan Poe things and whatever, he yeah. he's very good with the budgets he has, and he he makes them look amazing. Well, and that's so, also why they they you know call it. You know, the Corman Studios, a film school, because right. the movies that came out of that that weren't shit were made by people like Scorsese. Yeah. Uh, the guy who made uh, Silence of the Lambs. I can never remember Jonathan his name. Demi. Yeah. Jonathan yeah, Demi. Jonathan Demi. I mean, yeah. Ron Howard got his start with his first James movie there. James Cameron, Joe Dante. I mean, it's yeah. Peter Bogdanovich. So, yeah, it's it's a, a who's who of, uh, of people. Yeah. It's, so it makes sense. That- yeah. Yeah, so it's like an interesting, like I said, he, he's he's a schlock master, but if you can make it through that, yeah, you probably have a career. It's fun watching this to know that you know Coppola, who is the biggest waster of money, made this. <laughs> well, I mean, he didn't have a choice. He didn't have a choice. But the fact that he went out and banked his own financing budget, though, uh, almost suggests that he knew he was going to run over. <laughs> So you can tell from an early <laughs> stage that he just was, that was his bag. So, he was yeah. going to do it no matter what. At the moment, we've decided that it's more interesting to talk about a, how this movie got made than what this movie is. Well, it's, well, um, you, yeah. it's an important lead in. 
yeah i think to understand that it's like a schlock horror film uh where a a what is it a woman whose husband uh you know he died but the the, the daughter died years ago and she is still heartbroken over it and, and now there's this money grubbing woman who's trying to get her way into an inheritance whose right, husband like dies. The guy, the guy who died is the matriarch's son and the our woman coming in is like married to the guy who died and it, or is about to be married or something. But basically, no, if, if, yeah. if he's still alive, uh, then she can have a piece of the inheritance and the matriarch doesn't know he's dead. So she's trying to ingratiate herself to the matriarch to make sure she gets some of the inheritance right. or something. Yeah. So yeah. Long story short, it's yeah. fucking impossible to bottle this story. It is like <laughs> all over the place. Oh well, they do and, like the the full on uh like psycho bit where yeah, he's right. he's died and she and like her first reaction is I got to get rid of the body and so she throws him overboard with like a big rock uh to never be seen again. Yeah. And then there's the whole scene where she's typing the letter from him. I'm on business. Blah blah blah. But you know, like what's her face? Sue's gonna come and see you this and that so she can pretend that he's still alive i don't know how she thought she was going to pull it off uh and then that's yeah. how we get so she's in this castle when the movie proper starts just <laughs> pretending like everything's kosher so yeah yeah and you're like wait a minute why is she doing this oh yeah she just told us uh, or he just told us she'll be <laughs> yeah. out of this inheritance <laughs> it's like there's other rich dudes you yeah. know <laughs> and it's like how yeah but i just that's that's the one thing's like how did you expect to just keep drawing this out yeah, but then they throw in like now we've got the dead sister from years before, who drowned in the pond, and then the young brother who watched her drown, and she's sort of dealing with that trauma, and then it becomes this weird, you know, like two brothers, one sister thing all over again. Eric, what the hell? Uh, yeah, well, there's supposed yeah. to be a third brother. Yeah, yeah, but, um, but whatever. Whatever. There's well, he, three brothers, yeah. aren't there? Yeah, he, no, one died not. at the beginning of the movie, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Ah, yes, that's true. So there you go. But uh, yeah. And the, yeah. And then when the, the psychiatrist guy shows up, Patrick McGee, it's like anytime he pops these Corman movies, I still can only see him in Clockwork Orange in the scene where he loses his mind when Alex shows up and he's just like, you know, that Kubrick <laughs> close up of him, just like, Aah! that's all I can ever yeah. see with that actor. It just ruined me for anything he's in. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it adds to the motif in this one, I guess. Uh, uh but I guess I think of like this is this is really a, a tribute to those sort of late fifties, early sixties British horror films. Yeah, because it's very much get the, he gets yeah. the look so right. Yeah, yeah. It it very much is like Francis Coppola just going, you know what? I can do a horror movie all a hammer, no problem. And then he and he yeah. goes and makes this like weird psycho ripoff. It's just yeah. so sort of weird. a pre pre color uh hammer film because once they got color film they just went gross yeah yeah so so like this woman is trying to like convince the mother that the ghost of the dead daughter is something and so she needs to tie a bunch of the daughter's old toys together and put them at the bottom of the lake because <laughs> reasons <laughs> i and mean i think it's just bob up in the yeah yeah in the middle of the, you know, like the funeral or the memorial, whatever the fuck they were doing, she was hoping these dolls would bob up and then make her think that her ghost was still around, well, which is they, yeah. what ends up happening. Yeah. Well, they do that ritual every year on the anniversary of the daughter's death. Uh, and the the daughter-in-law is watching it from away. And it's like literally the mom just faints 
and you get the idea it's like every year they do this ritual and then she faints and it's so she's i think she's just trying to drive her to the edge right so that she can get her inheritance and then move on you know what i mean and i i watched that and i thought oh this is some kind of bizarre ritual that she's seeing and then i and then it turns out no it's not it's just really poor staging for some reason yeah. the three of them walking around the gr- for no reason yeah. other than she needs to see <laughs> She needs to be away from the flowers and then come back to the flowers and have the yeah. flowers all wilted or something. But let's be clear. This movie is an hour long and <laughs> it is so padded. So like, like doing the thing where she's collecting the daughter's toys and like, we have to like stage this as a horror scene. Right. So she's yeah. like digging through the dark room full of the toys. And then there's like this one toy. That's like, I don't the, know, some kind the, of the wind up toy that wants yeah. something. And it's chopping this I, plastic I love log that and they shoot it. Like it's the killer, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. Just like, well, cause oh they're doing God. like, like when they, they do the extreme close up and it's like an ax hitting the log. And every time the yeah. ax hits the log, like the music goes bump. Yeah. Bump. Bump. It's like, did, did make this a very suspenseful scene, Have but then it's all undercut. We saw psycho. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it's yeah. all undercut by the end because the, it's a wind up toy that won't stop. So every time she lets go, it keeps going and she has to touch it again and they like that's my favorite part i think in the whole movie is like it's not <laughs> scripted it's like just stop already it's an Fuck, actor just stop. trying yeah. to get a prop to stop it stop. already yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny to watch and, and uh, so you know so copo is milking everything and uh, and fine she died she gets down to her undies and she dives underwater and puts the toys underwater and comes out and is randomly killed by an ex-murderer yeah because which psycho. you should have seen coming because of the toy wind up yeah. toy tried to tell her bump, gonna chop you bump. up with an axe shortly yeah. yeah but you know and also but, our our lead character is a blonde girl that gets killed yeah. surprisingly when she gets wet yeah so yeah well here's and the also thing with, twist just like yeah. va- just yeah. like uh psycho you don't think this is an axe murderer movie but oh god damn it it sure well, is that's when it becomes uh an actual like hammer horror film then it becomes <laughs> like oh we're we're leaning into the gothic horror thing now so now with a crazy axe murder on the loose but i watched that scene i mean i knew at some point someone was going to get hacked uh because i had looked at the trailer but that i started looking i'm like holy shit i'm like did the people that make like friday the 13th did they watch dementia 13 has francis coppola have some sort of weirdly influential uh hand in all of the 80s horror like did john carpenter watch dementia 13 and then this is a cult film yeah, I mean, but did he? But did he watch that and use sort of a weird template for Halloween? Because that's the vibe I got, and yeah. maybe I'm overthinking it. But it was it just was all right there, the parts and pieces. So yeah, yeah, it is sort of a seminal work. But if you think of it, it's only the style part. Nothing. Right. There is there's little to no substance behind this film. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's actors who who deserve better. Like, uh, let me ask you this. What was up with the, like the crazy groundskeeper guy with the shotgun that apparently. uh, I, yeah, he was a red herring. He was like, it just shows up out of nowhere. Yeah. We're supposed to think this crazy goon is, you know, probably the murderer, but then we literally chop his head off, you know, less than halfway through. Well, I guess not that. that, Yeah. That's why there's a director's cut. This, the version we watch is 72 minutes long. Coppola's director's cut is 60 minutes long oh. and this was one of the reasons that whole thing was shot by other people and inserted by corman 
Really? Uh, okay. To, because <laughs> he wanted sense. another kill in the movie. Okay. okay. Well, that makes, makes sense. Yeah, because it's sense. so drawn out because he's like crawling into the foxhole. He sees like the weird corpse of the daughter, the dead daughter, uh, and then whack, his head is removed. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was I think, yeah, that was I, another complaint of Corman's after you know he got a cut of it was like I this is not what I asked for I didn't yeah. want all this mood farty I wanted shit. you know yeah. I wanted a fucking horror film yeah well to be fair I think the guy also got his head whacked because uh that was like the worst Irish accent I think I've ever heard in my entire life <laughs> it's like you, you expect me to believe this is an Irish groundskeeper get out of here <laughs> it was so dumb <laughs> but you know that's informed by the budget more than anything but uh what can you do i think my my other influential part though there's the scene on the field where the older brother is talking to the uh sister-in-law femme fatale before she gets killed because the younger brother also has like or the artist brother has the girlfriend from america who's just sort of flighty and innocent and whatever and the the woman has the the line of dialogue uh she's an american girl she was raised on promises i'm like holy shit tom petty stole an entire song from one line in Mm -hmm. dementia 13 you've (laughs) got to be fucking kidding me it's amazing so that's all i'm going to think about every time i think of dementia 13 how i i in all seriousness uh i keep getting the name of this movie wrong when i'm writing my notes and i keep calling it amnesia 13 and i keep hoping i'll forget about it but uh um, ironically yeah well yeah, it's no, all kinds I'm of not sure. yeah I'm, i don't understand the title at all unless I mean, there's like 12 other dementia films well that's what i'm this. saying this one uh by dementia movie standards is probably the weakest one of the whole series <laughs> i like dementia four if i'm being totally yeah. honest uh, I liked Dementia and Furious, the one where they Tokyo Drift. That's yes. the one that. <laughs> oh, yes. dude, have you seen Dementia X? That's the one where they really sell it. Jesus so fucking. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think where they, it was, where they it, race dementias in a submarine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's titled something else in uh in England when it came out, uh, but I can't remember what it was. But it was a totally different uh title. This is why the Irish hate us. Uh, probably, but uh, I, but I it can't was. Just... We've gotten this much of a show out of this. Thing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, since it's like like you you look at this and then you look at Coppola's '60s output, and then suddenly uh, 1970 he does Godfather, and then the sets are all about him just doing one after the other of just bona fide solid classic cinema, like all through the '70s, from like Godfather to Apocalypse Now. And then you get to the 80s where it's sort of uneven because I think he just gave up at some point. He had too much success. He couldn't yeah. top it. But then you look back at Dementia 13. It's like, this is like, how does a guy like that have this MST3K movie in his filmography? It just it boggles well, on. That's just like all those other filmmakers you mentioned. How simple. An ambitious dude is looking for a break to get into the business, and Roger Corman is a very fertile vector to do that. Yeah, right. I mean, that's true. But I also look at like the other guys in this oeuvre, because this is also a straight-up Hitchcock riff uh, at the start. It's literally psycho. And then you start thinking, well, how many other of, of the big guns from that era? did Like, you look at Spielberg did Duel which is just full on Hitchcock from start to finish. Cause it's mm-hmm. just all visual. You've got like uh Brian De Palma 
made his entire career more or less on doing riffs on Hitchcock. Yeah. yeah. It's like, like, so you start thinking, it's like, how, like, was Coppola just ahead of the curve? It's like, that was the big thing culture wise, and he's just going to milk it. That's what it felt like. Yeah. So it was just, it was just weird start to finish. <laughs> but, but then you have the big, like, end, the big twist where it's the younger brother who couldn't stand the fact that, uh, he may or may not have killed his little sister in the bond and he's trying to bring her back. And then it's like, that's a full on Norman Bates moment at the end. And by that time I'm like, I've been watching this for 45 minutes. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah. I like I said, care. there's very little substance here. The only reason to watch it, I think is to see, you know, uh, some great black and white photography. Really? Right. I think it looks great. I, I oh, like yeah, this yeah. film for that. But yeah, otherwise it's a waste of time. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, technically, it's like if you look also from the same relative era, like when uh, *Night of the Living Dead* comes out. Uh, I mean, it literally had the same budget, but the difference between the two is astonishing as far as just yeah. the technical side. It's like, like even even as junky, schlocky as this is, you can still, like you say, it's just it's it's pretty to look at for what they did because it it does feel like a $22,000 movie at all. And so that sort of, I think, ups its game a little bit and makes it more of a cult status collective. But I mean, I, I, I've gone my entire life without seeing it until now, and I don't really feel as enriched for it by any <laughs> regard, but it's nice it that I've seen it, I guess. short, so that's nice. Yeah. That's yeah. our verdict here at uh, Magnificently Huge Podcasting. If you've listened to this whole thing, well, God help you. Yeah, <laughs> it's go watch Dementia. Yeah, go yeah. watch Dementia Thirteen. Do yourself a, a favor. Yeah, and 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 in an effort to get out before we're longer than Dementia Thirteen, let's just do the ending. Uh, yeah, subscribe to the podcast. Listen to more episodes. Hit us up on your uh, social media feeds and share us with friends and give us a review on iTunes and. If you want to find all the links to all our socials, go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. You'll find links to all that, all our old episodes, and a link to email us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Um, we're back. Baby, hey, bye. baby. Don't go changing. See, I came up with a little end tagline there. I want to start. Don't go changing. <laughs>